Hey there, and thank you for tuning in to the King's House podcast. We are a non-denominational church located in McAllister, Oklahoma, reaching and serving those in our community and around the world. We believe church is not something you go to, but a family you belong to. And a house is just a house until a family is there. Then that house becomes a home. So today, we want to say welcome home as we jump into today's service. house. It is so wonderful to see you this morning. Is there anybody excited to be in God's house today? Man, I'm not an overly emotional individual by any stretch of the imagination, but I am just uh, so uh, blessed and happy and just feeling a little overwhelmed this morning out of just the goodness of God and to see all these lives publicly confess their faith to Jesus. I mean, it's beautiful, right, King's House? I mean, this is what it's all about. It it truly is. And um, I'd like to share with you some good news this morning, if you aren't already aware. Uh, the, The God we serve, he still saves, and he still heals, and he still restores, and he's still in the business of taking broken things and putting them back together. And man, he, he is in the business of taking a mess and turning it into a message. I'm just, I'm so, uh, so in love with Jesus, so happy to be here this morning. Uh, before we dive in, I just want to give you a reminder that right after the service today, 1230, right here in this room, if you've ever had any interest in going to the Holy Land, uh, the nation of Israel, then stick around, 1230, we're going to hear lots of information and the details details about what that's going to look like as we uh, prayerfully consider a trip next June. So if you're not able to stick around, we're going to hopefully be able to video it proper and and get it sent out to you. But if anyone's available, we'd love to have you. Amen. Hey, let's have a little word of prayer before we dive in today. God, I love you so much. I'm so thankful, overwhelmed, overjoyed this morning just to see what you're doing in the King's House Church. Uh, And God, I just truly believe that it's just the beginning of what you're going to continue to do. Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would have your way in this place today. That it would be so much more than just a guy on a stage preaching a sermon. But God, that you would just do something deep inside of each and every one of our hearts. And there wouldn't be a single person leave here today the same way they walked in. God, I thank you. Give you all the praise. In the beautiful name of Jesus, everybody said. Amen. Well, we're closing out the series today of Rebuild, and we're not just rebuilding, are we, church? We're going to rebuild with all our heart, everything we do this year with all of our heart. Last week, we talked about how rebuilding was a process, and in order to allow God to really work that process, then we, we better learn how to silence the voice of negativity in our lives. We better learn to stay connected to the source because we sure enough can't do it in our own strength, in our own ability, that we got to work with all of our hearts, that we got to stay smart. We talked about all these things that it takes for God to really work that process in your life. But today in closing, I want to give you one final enemy that is absolutely doing everything within its power to stop what God wants to do in your life, and it is a big enemy, and its name is discouragement. Oh, man, discouragement wants to rob you of every blessing that God has for you in your life. It truly does. It, 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 it's what the enemy does best. It steals, it kills, it destroys the beautiful things that God has for our life. And uh, about 
two, three months ago, maybe, I, I bought a place in Pittsburgh. Uh, shout out to everyone from Pittsburgh and Kiowa this morning, some of the greatest people on planet Earth. Uh, but I had this great idea. Uh, my kids have been going to school in Kiowa, and it's just been such a tremendous blessing to my family. And, but I live in Tannehill, and that's a long ways from Kiowa. And some days I'm making like three, four, five trips from Tannehill to Kiowa, and that's just not working. So I, I had this bright idea, like, man, I'm going to buy this little acreage, had a pole barn on it, I'm, I'm turning it into a house. And uh, let me tell you, three months ago, excitement was sky high. It really was, man. I mean, I was so excited. Things are falling into place. It's going to be so great. It's going to simplify my life exponentially. It's going to help my family. I mean, just all these reasons why I was fired up to jump in there and start building this house. Anybody in the room ever built a house? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about then. As the days continue to drag on, and as the cost of building continues to increase good gravy, then my passion for the project continues to decrease. And now I'm just, dear God, please let me finish this house, right? Please let my money finish this house. And uh, that's what discouragement does to you. And it's no different than what we face in our every single day-to-day -day spiritual lives. Each and every person in this room, you know exactly what this feeling feels like because you've all had moments, and if not, then I hope today is your moment. But we've all had moments where we knew God was doing something in our lives, amen? I mean, we all had those moments where, man, you felt this hope, you felt this rejuvenation as Jesus comes and lives inside your heart and you start to believe that he really does have something better for my life. He really does have something better for my marriage and my future and you're fired up, right? God's moving in my life. Things are finally falling into place. Woo, God's so good. But then the days drag on, and the hardships start to pile up a little bit. Do I have a witness? And the goosebumps that you felt on Sunday morning, they're not as goosey on Monday morning when the rubber hits the roads. And if we're not careful, that passion, that determination, that desire to follow after Jesus can begin to decrease and decrease and decrease and decrease. So I want to help you this morning, and I want to discuss some different ways on how we can defeat the enemy of discouragement this morning in King's house. Man, I want to help you. We got to learn to overcome, because how many of you believe that God really does have some beautiful things in store for your life? Man, I'm a firm believer. I believe the greatest thing that you could ever do with your life is the perfect will of God, so much greater than what you could ever dream up. I want to preach to you this morning out of Nehemiah chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says this, Now it happened when Sanballat, Tobiah, Geshem the Arab, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had rebuilt the wall and that there were no breaks left in it, that Sanballat and Geshem sent to me, saying, Come, let us meet together among the villages in the plain of, oh, no. But they thought to do me harm, Nehemiah says. So I sent messengers to them, saying, I am doing a great work. So I cannot 
come down. Friends, this is the mindset that we have to have this morning as discouragement tries to sink its claws into us, as the people and the hardships and the circumstances around our lives are doing everything they can to pull us back down off the wall. This has to be our response. Oh, no, friend. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Come on, somebody. Would you look at your neighbor this morning and say, I'm doing a great work. Look at your other neighbor. Say it like you mean it this morning. I'm doing a great work. I'm so happy. I only have to go up these milk cartons one more time. I've survived all these trips one more time. I want to give you three really helpful ways this morning that I think can benefit you greatly in, in learning how to defeat the enemy of discouragement in your life. Are you ready? The first thing that I think you need to implement in your life is this. You have to start with why. This is a leadership lesson, but this is a life lesson that you should implement into every area of your life. So many times we focus on the what, and we should honestly be focused on the why instead of the what. Well, what does that mean? Well, let me, let me show you, okay? Because this was the what Nehemiah was up against. Imagine me putting my arm around Nehemiah and saying, hey, listen up, buddy. I'm not going to lie to you, Nehemiah. You have a lot of work to do, okay? And it's not going to be easy, and it's going to be hard and dirty and sweaty. Like, dude, this is some manual labor, lifting bricks, building gates. It ain't going to be easy, Nehemiah. And listen, you're going to have to be dealing with people, and there's going to be lots and lots and lots of drama and complaining. And listen, when everything goes right, you're going to give them credit. But when one little thing goes wrong, listen, Nehemiah, it's going to be all your faults. And you're going to have enemies waiting behind every corner doing everything they can to stop you, to discourage you, to bring you harm. So what do you say, Nehemiah? Are you ready? No, I mean, like, when you focus on the what, that's why it's so important to focus on the why. Why am I rebuilding this wall, Nehemiah might ask himself. Well, the truth is, is that the city was worth fighting for. It's the city of the king. It's going to provide protection for God's people. It's going to serve as a safe heaven. It's an important element of God's perfect will for the city of Jerusalem. Nehemiah, for a time such as this, you were born and you were raised up. You were created for this moment, baby. Come on, that's why. That's the why. See the huge difference? It's the same in our Christian lives. If you just focus on the what... It can be so unbelievably discouraging because if you've been a believer for more than like five seconds, then you know. If anybody ever told you there was not a cost associated with following Jesus, that person lied to you, friends. I'm here to set the record straight this morning. The what of following Jesus is I'm going to have to let go of a lot of things. Come on, I'm going to have to let go of some people in my life. And it's not always going to be easy, is it? Because some of those are people that I care about in my life. Following Jesus wholeheartedly requires a lot of change. And change is never fun. And change is never easy. Following Jesus is a grind. 
You just got to fight. You, you, you have to have a determination about you to grab hold of the plow and just keep pushing forward because it's not easy. And it's always uncomfortable. And we don't like being uncomfortable, but God's always pushing us further and further and further, isn't he, church? And it requires discipline, and it requires planning, and it requires an enormous amount of sacrifice. I mean, that is the what of following Jesus. And if that's all we focus on today, like, ugh, plan B, Lord? Is there, is there an option behind door number two? But when you focus on the why, why am I following Jesus? I'm following Jesus because I know that he has a plan and a purpose for my life to give me a future, to give me a hope. That's why, because he wants me to experience life and life more abundantly and joy and peace and love. The why is because I'm the lid of my family. That means that normally my family's not going to go much higher than me. I'm the lid of my, but the more I allow God to touch my life, then it's obviously benefiting me. But do you know who else is benefiting? Then it enables him to touch my children and my grandchildren and my great-grandchildren and my great-great-great-grandchildren. Because many of you inherited generational curses, but if you will allow him, God will turn those into generational blessings, baby. And the future of your family can be completely transformed and revolutionized. That's why I'm following Jesus. Woo! It's good preaching. Here at the King's House, we're one body, and everybody serves. I mean, that, that's what makes this place go round. That's what makes this place so special. And ministry is always fun, and it's always easy, and it's always rewarding. <laughs> sometimes, can I get a sometimes out of you? Sometimes it's fun, hopefully. Thank you, sometimes. I'll stick with The what is... So you mean to tell me, Pastor Mark, that in order to serve at Kidopolis, that I have to show up 30 minutes before anybody else shows up? Is that what you're telling me? And my job description is that I'm going to change diapers, and I'm going to hold babies that are screaming and crying and fussing and biting. Like, this is, and just to be clear, like, I don't get paid for this, correct? And just to be clear, like, you do understand, Pastor Mark, that this is my day off, I mean, this is my Sabbath. The Bible says it's supposed to be a day of rest. You understand that, right, Mark? That is the what, friends. That, that's reality, okay? If you serve a kid office, you're going to have poop on you and barf on you and a lot of screaming and crying and biting. But the why behind it is, is that those are Jesus' most precious possessions, to serve those babies is to serve him. Come on. To love those babies is to love him. I'm not just changing diapers in Kidopolis. I'm empowering a parent to be able to focus and maybe, just maybe, experience God's presence and God's love. And maybe, just maybe, God's going to change their life. And maybe he's going to change their family. And maybe they're going to change somebody. And they're going to change somebody. And they're, oh, it's so much more than just holding a crying baby. You are partnering with God to make an eternal, heavenly difference, friends. That's the why we do what we do. If you want to beat discouragement in your lives, get your eyes off the what 
And get your focus on the why. Because why God wants to use you is so much bigger than you could ever imagine it being. Amen? Number two, you got to start with why if you're going to be discouragement. And number two, you better have some eyes of faith. Because how many of you know the eyes of faith see things very differently? We have these eyes, but these eyes can be deceiving. What these eyes see and what God sees is rarely ever the same thing, which is why you better have some eyes with faith in them. Because carnal eyes look around and they see problems in people's lives. But eyes of faith see not just problems, but they see possibilities in people's lives. Carnal eyes see where you have been, but eyes of faith, it sees where God is taking you, where you're going. It's a huge difference. Carnal eyes see who you are today, but the eyes of faith see who you are becoming and the work that God's doing in your life. And you're a perfect work in progress, and he's not finished yet. We need some eyes of faith to see things differently, to, be, to defeat discouragement. The heroes of faith had these kind of eyes. They looked past what these eyes could see into something else that normal people couldn't see. And that's what God's inviting you to see today. Hebrews 11 says it like this. This is the hall of fame, man, the heroes of faith. Listen to what it says. All these people died still believing what God had promised them. They did not receive what was promised. How discouraging, man. They died. They didn't receive what was, no, they weren't discouraged at all. They did not receive what God promised, but they saw it from a distance and they welcomed it. Listen, this is the kind of eyes that we have to have in our lives. God, it might look like what you're trying to do is a long way off, but I see what you're doing in my life and I welcome it, God, and I thank you for it. I may not be able to put my hands on it today, but one of these days I will put my hands on the promises of God. You do realize that, that one day is that day where your dreams become a reality, where those things that used to be in your future are now in your present, where God has answered prayers and has moved in your life. You gotta be able to see it. You gotta be able to believe it, some eyes of faith. One of the greatest sources of faith for the future is found in his faithfulness in the past. Oh man, if you wanna obliterate discouragement, then just take a look just a little bit back at the previous things God's done in your life. That's why David said in, in Psalm 77 like this, he says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your miracles from long ago. And we desperately need this in our lives, friends, to be able to look back and remember what the Lord has done. Is there anybody in this room that God has been good to? Is there anybody in this room that God has been faithful to? Is there anybody here that God has shown his love and his mercy? I'm telling you, we need to look back on those things. And when we do, 
Something begins to happen in this church, and I can't describe it, but there is this faith that begins to well up. There is this thankfulness. There is this praise that just starts coming out of us, and there is nothing that silences the enemy faster than a believer just starting to praise God, man. Hey, when all hell's breaking loose in your life, when everything that could go wrong is going wrong, you know what you need to do? You need to just press pause and make up your mind, God, right here in this place, I'm going to start giving you some praise. Lord, you've been so good to me. You've been so faithful to me. Your love is amazing to me. Come on, church. We just got to stop and press pause and give God some praise. And when we do that, man, it just eliminates discouragement in our life. How many of you are thankful that we serve a good, faithful God? <laughs> Nehemiah 6 says this, verse 15. So the wall was finished in 52 days. God really does rebuild things. And sometimes he does it so much faster than you could ever even imagine that he could do it because he's a really great God. The wall was finished in 52 days. And it happened when all our enemies heard of it. And all the nations around us saw these things that they were very disheartened in their eyes. For they perceived that this work was done by God. Come on. If you're going to overcome discouragement in your life, it sounds little, it sounds easy, but it's one of the most important things that you could have. It's a little five-letter word called trust. That it's not me rebuilding my life because I'm not capable. When I get my hands on the steering wheel, I just make a mess of things. But if I will just trust God. He has started an incredible work in each and every one of your lives. And can I tell you, if he started the work, then he is going to be faithful to finish the work. He didn't start it just to say he started it. He started it with the end in mind. What he's doing in your life, he's going to finish the work. It's painful. It's a process, but I'm living proof that God does rebuild. God does restore, and it's better than it ever was before. If you'll just trust him, when things don't look good, when things don't sound good, trust him to push past what your carnal senses can see and feel and think and hear and say, God, it doesn't look good, but I trust you. God, you're far too wise to ever make a mistake. And if you've brought me this far, then I'm going to trust that you're going to finish the work that you started in me. Which is why Proverbs 3 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Isn't it crazy? I mean, this is, it's all through the word of God. When you do it with all your heart, God moves. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. I wish I could just shake everybody in this room and say, stop trying to figure it out. Because it never happens when you think it's going to happen. 
It never happens how you think it's going to happen. There's going to feel like days that you took the long way and you weaved and you wound and you made a mistake and you fell and you got, it's this crazy journey. But I'm telling you, it does happen because he's faithful. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. In all your ways, worship him. Put him first. In all your ways, seek him first. And this is what happens. And he will direct your paths. Every person in this room this morning, I'm telling you, God has something great for your life. I, I mean it. God has something great. Every one of you, he has a plan. He has a purpose to do incredible, beautiful things in your life. And I know sometimes it doesn't look that way. And discouragement is really sneaky sometimes. And man, it can get a hold of your heart. And when it does, it's hard to let go of. But can I tell you that after four days, I promise you, Lazarus looked really dead. And after four days, I promise you, Lazarus smelled really dead. I promise, and after four days, if you were to say, hey, Lazarus, like, he sounded really dead. All signs pointed to the same conclusion, Lazarus is dead until Jesus showed up, friends. And the, and the God I serve has this amazing way of taking things that appear to be dead and bringing them back to life, man. I don't know what you're fighting for today. I don't know what you're holding on to today, what kind of dream or promise or passion that the enemy has tried to steal from you, but I know a God who can bring dead things back to life. And I wanna tell you this morning that he's not finished working with you yet. He's not finished working in you yet. He is building something incredible. If you'll just trust him, and if you'll just allow him to do what only he can do, if you'll just make up your mind and say, God, I am going to, to trust you. I'm going to follow you. I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to pursue you. I promise he can take care of the rest. And the incredible thing about it is that what he's building in your life is so much greater than you could have ever imagined. Which is why Ephesians 3.20 says that he can do exceedingly, abundantly, beyond anything you can think or even imagine. This is what God's doing in your life. Listen, friends. So when discouragement just peeks its little head up, when it tries to get its claws on you, when the people that sometimes the enemy has placed in your life and the hardships and the circumstances and the situations and the financial issues, whatever it is that you're facing this morning, when those things peek their little head up and say, hey, what are you doing up on that wall, man? You got no right to be up there. You got no reason to be up there. Why don't you just come on back down here with us? I pray that the Spirit of God rises up inside of you with so much boldness and so much tenacity, and you can confidently say, oh, no, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Come on, King's House. Do you believe it this morning? I'm doing a great work, and I cannot come down. That's my prayer for you today. I wish I could tell you that you leave this room and life's just gonna get so much easier. The truth is it's not. It might actually get harder because now you got the enemy scared. It's the truth. Sad to tell you, but some of you got a big bullseye on yourself now. You're welcome. I wish it was gonna be easier, it's not. 
But I'm telling you, man, if you'll just keep your eyes on Jesus, if you'll just keep allowing him to do what only you can do, he is going to produce something great in your life. Please don't come off the wall. Don't come off the wall because God is doing something great in your life. Will you pray with me this morning? Jesus, I love you so much. God, I give you praise. God, I thank you that you are doing incredible things through lives and families all across this church. And God, I believe that you are just getting started. You began a work and you plan to finish that work, God. So help us to stay faithful. Help us to keep our eyes on you. Help us to not let the discouragement and the things of this world pull us down or get our eyes off of you. God, help us to not, to not get our eyes on the problems, but keep our eyes on the solutions, Jesus, because God, I know that one day we're gonna look back and we're gonna say, wow, that crazy redhead really wasn't lying to me. God really has done something incredible in my life, in my family. God, I just ask you would supernaturally encourage every person in this room that you would give them so much hope and so much excitement that our next days are the best days. Father, I give you all the praise this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody says. Hey, listen, we have discipleship classes this Wednesday. Please, 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 please don't miss next Sunday. I'm telling you, Pastor Luke is one of the greatest leaders, one of the most influential men in America. It's unbelievable that he's going to be here with us next Sunday. So I promise you're going to be blessed. Loads of love at 1 o'clock today. And if you want to hear about Israel, stay right here till 1230. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining our podcast today. If you are ever in need of prayer or wish to speak to a pastor, please email us at info at thekingshouse.church. And if you'd like to give towards the ministry of the King's House, you can do so by visiting our website, thekingshouse.church forward slash giving, or you can text any dollar amount to the number 84321 and simply respond to the prompt sent back to you. If you're ever around in the area and you want to visit, we meet each week at 124 B. Hubert Smith Drive in McAllister, Oklahoma. You can even plan your visit ahead of time where you can reserve your seat, your parking spot, and even pre-check in your children before arriving on the Sunday of your choice. Just fill out the quick form at our website. Hey, we know life is busy, so be sure to click that subscribe button so you can catch all of our latest messages. You can even listen to King's House Worship original songs from Spotify, Apple Music, or other streaming services. We look forward to seeing you real soon.